Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk. On the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. Batter up, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. Hey, oh! What it do, listeners? Today is Monday, June 4th, 2018, and I would like to welcome you to this week's Lloyd A. Thompson and the Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Listeners, a new episode for you is airing today, as it always does, every single Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course, at LloydAThompson.com. So if you haven't, hit that subscribe button. Please do so, listeners. Me and Mad Michael also on social media. Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Instagram. Lloyd A. Thompson, one word, Twitter. That's L-L-O-Y-D-A Thompson. Be sure to hit that follow button. And listeners, you can also send questions that me and Mad Mike will answer on air to Lloyd at parkmyfresh.com. Or you can send them directly to the website. Listeners, exciting show for you. As always, we're going to pick up on the NBA Finals, the Golden State Warriors, Versus the, the um the Cleveland Cavaliers, we're gonna touch up on a previous series in which the Cavs knocked off the Houston Rockets, and in which I'm sorry, the Cavs knocked off the Boston Celtics, and the Houston Rockets were defeated by the Golden State Warriors. We're gonna talk about our boy Ron Baker, and I say that sarcastically, opting into a 4.5 million dollar deal as it just doesn't get any better for the New York Knicks. And we're gonna tackle some baseball, and we're gonna take a few questions. So as always, guys, let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. As always, we got to find out where the Mad Mike is and where he's calling from. Yo, Mad Mike, where you at today, baby? Man, I'm, I'm on my way back from Baltimore. I um, thought I can make it out on Sunday, catch Manny Machado, future Yankee, but uh, my drive was all for nothing, man, because I got washed out. Well, you know, they did get one game in, and in that game, the Yankees was able to pull that one out. Uh, but did they get one game in or two games in over this set, man, Mike? They got uh they got Friday and Saturday in and um they got washed out Thursday and Sunday. Right, and the Yankees pulled both of those out. Well, I tell you this much, they got a lot of double headers piling up on their plate. It's not a good thing, man. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's yeah. the last thing you want in and and you know, them late summer months is is to have to play more games than than uh than what's on your schedule. Right, so before we get back to the Yankees, let's talk about this NBA Finals. Let's talk about the NBA playoffs because we haven't touched up on that much, Matt Mike. So you have the Cleveland Cavaliers 
against the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors knocked off the Houston Rockets in a game that saw the Houston Rockets miss 27 three-pointers in a row, Matt Mike. 27 three-pointers. Now, at some point while I was watching that game, Matt Mike, I was like, well, maybe these dudes are stop shooting threes and take the ball to the bucket or hit a mid-range jump shot or work the pick and roll to get a mid-range jump shot. But I guess with the type of offense that they've been running all season, that's their style of play, and it came back and bit them in the butt. Yeah, you know what, man? It, it really blows my mind when people say Golden State is this three-point shooting team. They're really not a three-point shooting team. They take more two-pointers than any team in the NBA. The thing is that they're so lethal from three because, they're, they're you know, uh, it has to do a lot with Clay. um, Curry and Durant, they, you know, so these other teams that are built this way, and, you know, we, we could talk about it, right? Houston believes in layups and three-point shots. Well, when you miss 27 straight three-pointers and Golden State is taking away your inside game, your layups, uh, what do you have left? I mean, ah, man, I'm, it's Mike D'Antoni, right? That's all we can say, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because we had this conversation about Dan and Tony and, you know, I just think he didn't adjust to what was going on. You know, the team didn't adjust to what, he was going, what was going on. I think it hurt the uh, Rockets not to have Chris Paul on the court as he continues to get injured every postseason. Same um, thing, right? Oh, it's always the same thing with him. Every postseason, this dude gets hurt. And it's different <laughs> being a leader from the bench than it is from being a leader on the court. And it's funny because when he pulled that hammy, that's what I said. I said, Mike D'Antoni's about to feel like Doc Rivers did all those years. Yeah, and that hurt them. But, you know, Golden State, like you said, they're really, even though people say they're a three-point shooting team, they're really not. You know, they have this thing, man, Mike, which I thought was really interesting, that there's a certain amount of number of passes that they want to achieve during a game total. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it, I, I don't know if it was it was like one hundred or two hundred. It was something. It was some kind of number like that, and they expect you know to, by the time the game is over, they want to exceed that number, and that just goes to show. Or uh, they may be a three. You know, if you want to say they're a three point shooting team, which is incorrect, just throw that stat in there. Throw that number in there. Yeah. And it just shows no. how good this team is and how much they share the ball with each other, and you know. It shows it, which allowed them to pull that game. That team, man, man, Mike. No matter how, no matter how many points the Golden State Warriors are down, you they could be up by fifth. They could be down by fifteen. You could go use the bathroom, come back, and they're winning by three points. Yeah, you you know it's funny because they got down. They got down pretty large in that game seven, and um, at one point, I think when they, it was down to like eleven, and. I think KD makes a layup. Whatever they get the they get the score down to nine, and then just to show how what you're talking about, Clay hits uh, a three pointer. It's down to six. Houston comes back. They hit another three. It's down to nine. Clay comes back. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was six. Houston came back. They missed the three pointer, and then they came back down. Clay missed it. But I was just like, it's it's the lead was down to six. He missed it. If he would have made that. In a matter of three possessions, we went from 11 to three-point, you know, deficit. And I'm like, this is just ridiculous what this team can do. It is, and it's scary. And it's scary, but on that side, on the Western Conference, you know, Golden State pulled it out. But let's go to the Eastern Conference. 
where Cleveland did their thing against Boston, and I feel like the great Swami is I picked Cleveland to beat Boston. Like I, you know, as I was saying with LeBron James, and I've nicknamed LeBron James Thanos. And for those who don't know who Thanos is, Google Thanos, who is an enemy to the Avengers. And if you saw the Avengers movie, you got a taste of what Thanos is all about. And that's my nickname for LeBron James. I call LeBron James Thanos. As LeBron James, as Mark Jackson, and those guys were saying, LeBron James is Gladys Knight and he's playing with the pips. <laughs> no, you know what, man? I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm kind of tired of this narrative. This is his, in a way, this is his fault. You know what I mean? He, he couldn't get along with Jim, you know, Crowder. And he couldn't get along with Isaiah Thomas. He had, they had to blow that team up mid-year because of him. I, I mean, th th this team is his team. Th th this, this is all because of him. Why should we feel bad that he's got to go and play otherworldly be be because of the roster that he has? You know, he, I, I, I just, I, I hate this narrative. That, that LeBron is, you know, yeah, it might be the worst team he has. But we're talking about a guy, we briefly spoke about this before, he ran all these guys out of town, man. I mean. Yeah, the previous team he had when he had Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas, you know, and Shannon Fry and Iman Shumpert, that team was definitely much better than the team he has now. And you're right, it's his, it's, it's his doing as to why those guys are no longer there. Yeah, and not only that, you got to think about this. Those guys were only on the roster because what? He ran out Kyrie. So so it doesn't matter how you want to look at it. Isaiah Thomas was a problem. Why? Because Isaiah Thomas um, and Crowder believe in a certain type of uh, style. Because they can look at Ty Lue and say, you're not coaching this team? Like, they, they know what a coach looks like. Uh, uh, Brad Stevens, you know what I mean? They know what Ty Lue is. Ty Lue is, is a yes man to LeBron James. Man, Mike, how funny is it that they did an interview with LeBron and LeBron was like, you know, he didn't want to. Yeah, you saw that. Yes. And I don't <laughs> it was think like, anybody traded away our it. superstar. Yep. You know, at the beginning of the season, they traded our superstar away. Meanwhile, you know, Probably, you know, behind the scenes, he has something to do with Kyrie not being there. And how how detrimental would it be for the for the Cavs organization if LeBron turns around and just ups and leaves? After they did all of this to appease him, he'll turn around and leave because, you know, he can opt out of his contract or he's a free agent after this year. Either way, he can leave if he chooses to do so. Yeah, you, you know, I, I, I heard a lot of that. And, and the one thing I'll say to you, or I even ask you, I know that people are saying he wants to go to the Lakers, you know, play with Magic, play for Magic or whatever. I don't necessarily know if he's going to do it, man. There's, there's a certain uh, – uh, you, you want to go down as, as the greatest of all time. There's a certain thing to be said about really, you know, sticking it out with one team. You you start chasing championships and bouncing around. Um, do you take away from your greatness? Well, here's the thing, man, Mike. I think – Say LeBron James goes to our beloved Knicks. If LeBron James can go to a team that has been mirrored in, you know, obscurity for years and he's able to turn an organization around like that, it adds to it. But you are right on the flip side. If he continues to go to teams to chase championships, that could hurt his legacy because it's the thing now. That's what players are doing. And now people are starting to criticize players for doing so. Well, you you know, and, but but and I hate to pick on LeBron James, but not for nothing. But 
isn't he the one that that started this? I know people always point to the Lakers, but Danny Ainge put the Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, uh, Paul Pierce Lakers together through trade. He traded for KG. He traded for for uh, Ray Allen, and they drafted Rajon Rondo. They drafted Kendrick Perkins. You know what I mean? So in my head, I'm like, when you went to Miami, you kind of saw the blueprint as far as needing three stars, but. You're the one that signed. You guys built a super team through free agency. You chased the championship. You know, that's the definition of chasing the championship. As far as, you know, this Golden State, this notion that they they they, they built their, their super team the right way, man. We're talking about Dre drafted, Curry drafted, Clay drafted. I mean, they signed Durant, but I, I mean, look at everybody else. Jordan right. Bell drafted. You're right. And I that's mean, a, that's the thing chase. that people Yeah, absolutely right. That's the thing that people seem to forget. Is that the superstars that the Golden State Warriors have now? You know, the, they were drafted. The only person that really wasn't was Kevin Durant. No. It's not like all those guys, like, you know, Boston and, you know, they was like, okay, we're going to get together and we're going to get it, you know, we're going to form this super team. They pretty much already had a super team through the draft. So you can't knock them for that at all. Yeah. And you can't really knock Durant. For doing what he did, as you can see, the effect Westbrook has over there on OKC. That was and, and to that extent, you just, watched, you just watched Harden, right? Dribble the air out of the ball and play one-on-one isolation basketball. You just, they're, they're so, I'm happy you brought that up. Because for all the slack and, and, and crap we give Durant for his decision, we, we don't, we don't, criticize the other guys for driving him out. I mean, that's like Scottie Pippen driving Jordan out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you're absolutely right. But I will say, if LeBron James decides to go to the to the West Coast, man, Mike, as we both know, his path to the finals are going to be that much harder. And it, he can go from having consecutive eight finals appearances or whatever to being knocked out in the first round. Because the West is no joke. The West no, is no right. joke. So he can go to the Lakers if he wants to and form a super team with Paul George, whatever the case may be. But even if he goes to the Lakers, Mad Mike, and let's say Paul George goes to the Lakers or whatever the case may be, that's still no guarantee because you still got the big bag Wolves and Golden State. Let's not diminish how good Utah's becoming or has gotten. You know, you still got the San Antonio Spurs who somehow Greg Popovich seems to always have those guys in the mix towards the end. You still got the Houston Rockets. You know, so the West Coast is really tough. So his best bet, and I'm here in Philly, you know, but his best bet is to stay in the East, you know, where he can continue to win because the East is so weak, Mad Mike. But, you know, he can go to the Lakers and get knocked out in the first round. Yeah, and, you know, not for nothing, let, let's stop with the Philadelphia because uh, we, we could sit here and have, and, and this is, yeah, uh, as New York Knicks fans were trained to hate Philadelphia, but we can we can legitimately sit here and, and give you, you know, three off the off the top reasons why we don't think LeBron James to Philly makes them a contender. If anything, it might make them worse. One, we know that he doesn't like big men clogging up the middle, which is one reason that Tristan Thompson doesn't play much, maybe against Golden State because they're so small, but he doesn't play much. It's a reason that Chris Bosh became a stretch four. Um, he likes the middle empty. And if you take away uh, Joel and B, what are you going to do? Put him on the three-point line the whole time. Uh, so that that's that's an issue. He's a legit center. He's a he, he's a, he's a legit force inside. That that's already a problem for LeBron James. Um, two, Ben Simmons needs to handle the rock as much as as LeBron James. Well, what makes LeBron James great is what makes Ben Simmons great. 
right? His ability to break down the defense, see the open guy, always make the right pass, and create for his teammates, right? Three, Ben Simmons doesn't have a jump shot. Ben Simmons can't do anything off the ball whatsoever, which is why we knocked the Markel Fultz uh, draft pick, because Ben Simmons needs to run that point to be effective at this point in his career. LeBron James basically makes him, what, a... Uh, 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 Below average ball player. Yeah, right. he would, so he those would then the have to slide over to the three or the Correct. two and, you know, be off ball. And like you said, he can't. He doesn't even have a mid-range jump shot, bro. No, that's what I'm saying. They don't even like him. They, 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 they're like, when you go to the hoop, you got to finish because we don't want you going in line for two. So oh, I'm just saying, I don't want to be the – because we're, like I said, because we're Knicks fans, um, we're, we, we naturally hate. Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto, it's just in us, you know what I mean? Because that's our, our rivals. But to me, I look at it and I say there's a million, re- you know, there's just too many reasons why it doesn't work that, that I, I don't see why they would do it. Um, and, and, you know, it's just like we said about OKC, right? This is not going to work. And here's the reasons why, and it didn't work. So I, I, don't, think we're, 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 uh, I don't think we're out of bounds in saying it's not going to work. So that brings us to the, to the finals. The Golden State Warriors against the Cleveland Cavs. And game one was an eventful game, Mad Mike. I think it was a game that was a lot more competitive than what people was expecting it to be. LeBron James balled out of his mind. He had 50 points. But, the you know, the, the other part of it, Mad Mike, is LeBron James became, you know, the first player to score over 50 points in a game and take an L behind the play of uh, J.R. Smith. So yeah. let's, let's focus on that play real quick, Matt Mike, because, you know, obviously, you know, it was J.R. Smith's ineptitude to, you know, not pay attention or not be aware of what was going on on the court at that particular time. And for that, I give him 99.5% of the blame, Matt Mike. But then you may want to say, well, where does that point, other point five come from to make it 100%? All right, Matt Mike, and I'm just going to go through it real quick, and I just want to see how you feel about my opinion on what happened, okay? So the first thing is George Hill is up at the line, and he ties a game with the first free throw, okay? So if he makes the second free throw, the Cavaliers have a one-point lead. Before that shot goes up, Matt Mike, I just want to know why not one of the four players on the court besides J.R. Smith said something about what to do whether the shot was made, missed, or whatever the case may be. Because obviously that didn't happen because when he grabbed the ball, he had a, a duh moment and dribbled back out to the perimeter. Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing, Mad Mike, is when he grabbed the ball and you saw him dribbling in the opposite direction of the basket, why did nobody call for a timeout? Now, I know LeBron James at some point was calling for a timeout, but before he called for the timeout, he was calling for the ball. I was just going to tell you, I, I think that the reason LeBron didn't call the timeout was because LeBron thought that uh, uh, JR was going to hit him at the three-point line wide open for, for a game-winning attempt. And when he realized that, I think that's when, he's, when he realized that JR um, was, I, I mean, he basically ran past him, right? He, he was trying to get... You know, I guess uh, he said he thought they were winning, which makes I mean, which makes the the play even stupider. And I hate to say I hate to say that word. I hate to call anybody, you know, that that word. But, you know, it made the play, you know, made him look even more like, a you know, a a lost soul on the court. 
He said he thought they was winning and he was dribbling out the ball. So I kind of I understand LeBron James was calling for the ball and he was the only player on the on the court that attempted to call a timeout. But what the hell was going on with the coach? You know what I'm saying? Anybody could call a timeout on the court. You know what I'm saying? When the ball was in play, Matt, Mike. It doesn't have to come from one player. The coach could have called the timeout. You know, the other three players on the court could have called the timeout besides LeBron James. And LeBron James is the one player that when he realized that J.R. Smith wasn't passing him the damn ball, he tried to call the timeout. And by that point, it was too late. And I think that particular play was so demoralizing and so air deflating that when they went into overtime, they just didn't have enough oomph to, to get that victory. I agree with you 100%. I think that uh, I think it just went out the window. And um, just to touch on something else that that uh, we can say led to it, I hope people do stop um, with the that 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 charge call. You can't reverse it. Um, I think that uh, it was a shame to hear the Cavs uh, trying to bail out Jr. They were trying to blame the loss on something else. Um, George Hill needs to make the foul shot. You know, to begin with, Jr.'s head got to be in the game. Um, and you call me crazy for this, but I don't understand why J.R. Smith is even uh, underneath the basket um, for the rebound. I don't understand why LeBron James is not there. Um, they're lucky that KD uh, went in too deep for the rebound. But realistically, wouldn't you want KD and LeBron muscling it up underneath the basket? Wouldn't LeBron give you not only a better chance at the rebound, but a better finish if, if you do happen to miss it? I mean, J.R. really did exactly what he's trained to do. JR, you know, he's a perimeter player. He doesn't play at the basket. So, I mean. And that's a great uh, point that you bring up. And that's why that 0.5%. You can't blame. You can't. A lot of people are blaming JR Smith solely for that. You know what I'm saying? For that loss, Matt Mike. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. And, and, and I put the most of the fair, onus. I put most of the onus on him. But like you said, there's other factors that goes into that play that people don't seem to realize or people seem, you know, not to think about when it comes to that. And you bring yeah, up a great point that he's not, you know, he's not one of those dudes that bang under the basket. And for some godforsaken reason, he was put into a position where he had to do something that he's totally uncomfortable doing and totally not, you know, prone to doing in his career. And I'm not yeah. making any excuses for him. And I know you're not making any excuses for him. Listeners, all we're saying is that you can't put 100% of the blame on him for that particular play. Yeah, no, I agree. And not only that, but wouldn't you, and if we do want to say, wouldn't, wouldn't you want him to be the guy on the perimeter, the perimeter player? I know LeBron James was shooting the ball lights out. Uh, by the way, he, uh, unbelievable, man. What what a freaking game he had. Thanos! He, he, he was, um, I'm not one of these guys that say he's the greatest of all time. Thanos! I understand that for the new generation that, you know, I was just having this joke with my brother when, where you see these kids on, on in the basketball games, they're wearing number 23. And me and you and, and, and our generation, we see 23 and we're thinking, Jordan, um, I, it hit me that when they're wearing 23, you know, the, 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 the one of the last kid game I went to, um, the, the, the little kid with number 23, he had on a pair of Jordans. So uh, what I'm saying is that I don't look at him as the greatest of all time, but watching that one game, game one, I was watching it, and I and it was reminiscent of that feeling you got, 
you know, when you were watching the playoffs in the 90s as a Knicks fan and Jordan started to take over, you just knew that no matter what he what he did, it was going to work. And, and, and he kind of brought me back in game one to that feeling of like, oh, man, I, I've seen this before in my lifetime. Listen, I'm going to say a lot of people, a lot of, you know, analysts and stuff, they didn't give the goal. They didn't give the Cleveland Cavaliers a shot in hell to win this game. And LeBron James and the Cavaliers, you know, they definitely had their heart broken on Thursday. And like I was saying, you know, it was deflating. You know, they they came as close as they possibly could to upsetting the Golden State Warriors in that game on Golden State's court. But a bunch of strange things of reverse charging calls we discussed. I've never seen that happen before. No, but it was the right call. Uh, I mean, and, and I'll be honest with you. Watching it live, I was like, "Oh man, that was an offensive foul." This, this is just, this is just what KD needs, right? He had a horrible game. Um, he really played awful, and now he's gonna be, you know, down to he gets caught in this charge, and you know, you could see one, one judge, one ref called it a charge, and the other one, you know, called it a block, and 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 by rule, they they they, they have the ability to replay it, and on replay. You can see it was the right call. I mean, they, they, they reversed the call on the court, I guess you can say. But they reversed it correctly. I mean, it was a, it was a charge. He wasn't squared up to the basket. And, and he was leaning. Yeah, he definitely was. And not for nothing, he didn't, you know, another thing that goes into the, the you know, how a charge of block is called is when a player's elevated himself off the court. And, yes, at that and for the record. Point, that particular look, point in time, uh, Durant... Wasn't he wasn't jumping? He ran into him. He didn't start jumping until after the contact was created, Mad Mike. Yeah, but but you know, uh, um, and I will say this, and I, and I don't think Jeff Green did anything wrong, and it's something that I've always said. I think that um that that the league should look into by the, by the rule. He didn't do anything wrong, but but when you're gonna when you're gonna take that charge, if you're LeBron James, and you see Kevin Durant is gonna try to go to the side of him, which he did, which is why LeBron leaned. Um, you, the, that defender on the other side of him, he can't ride him into LeBron James either. I mean, that, that's just something that I've I've always said. Like, if you're gonna call the charge, you got to be able to give him, you know, the offensive player. Um, you know, that's where the Euro step comes in, right? Which I also think is a travel, but all of a sudden it's not a travel anymore. It was a travel in the '90s, not no more. But you know, you got to give him the ability to go to to either side and, and not force him down the middle. Into the, the into the uh, into the defender because you could see he contacted LeBron, but Jeff Green was contacting you. You know, was making contact with with uh, KD. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of the toughest calls to make in the NBA. And you know, it's one call that whenever I watch an NBA game, I'm still kind of like, I, you know, I wish I knew that I can call out. Oh, that's a block. Oh, that's a charge. And I really can't. It's the one play. You know, you can look at a foot or playing football and say that's a holding or that's a pass interference. You know, you can look at a playing baseball and say, oh, that guy's safe or he's out. You know what I'm saying? And you can say that over and over again. The charge slash block call in the NBA in basketball is one of the hardest calls to make. One yep. of the hardest and that's why they put that damn half semicircle under the basket to make it easier to make, and it's still difficult to make to this day, Matt Mike. Yep, and for the record, um, I looked it up. That was a sixth reverse uh, blocking charge call in an NBA Finals. So, Ty Lu, I'm calling BS on you saying it's never happened before in the history of the game. You're wrong. It's actually the sixth time 
it's happened. Uh, this time, you were just on the wrong side of it. So, And once again, it's not why you lost the game. Because even when it got reversed, uh, uh, the game was tied and you had the ball. Still had a chance to control your own you know, you know, your own destiny. Uh, it's not your fault that you guys switched up and Curry ended up beating Kevin Love to the hoop and getting the and one. You know what I mean? Like, you got to think about that. They were down two points. Well, look, I tell you, look, we're going to take a quick commercial break, Matt Mike, and we come back. You know, I just, we're going to break down as to why Cleveland can actually still stand a chance of beating Golden State besides them having. You know, LeBron James, a.k.a. Thanos, there's still a chance that the Cleveland Cavaliers can pull off one of the biggest upsets in NBA history. But we want to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my name is A.O., Aaron Omar Baker, and I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Listen, for starters, I want to say thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing the show. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Just head over to LloydAThompson.com. All the information is there, and if you want to send a question to the guys, they'll answer it on a future show. You can do so at the website or directly by email. It's Lloyd at PardonMyFresh.com. All right, that's it. Real quick, real simple. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Lloyd A. Thompson and Matt Mike Sports Talk Show. Before we went to the break, we were talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, you know, the NBA Finals, and we were discussing, you know, that Cleveland is actually, in my opinion, I will never count LeBron James out, ever. My appreciation for this man as a basketball player, even though I'm not a big fan of his, has grown so much. You know what I'm saying? In this playoff series. Now, I know it's one playoff series, but it's shown me that he is such a wonderful basketball player. He makes everybody around him better. You know, that's one thing. You know, you have the Kobe and you have the, you know, the Jordan comparison. But LeBron James, he makes everybody around him better. And I will never... Golden State could go up three games to zero, man, Mike. And I still wouldn't count out the Cleveland Cavaliers because of LeBron James. But there's a line of thinking that, you know, Cleveland blew the best chance, you know, when the Warriors were uncomfortable. And, you know, that the margin for error is so thin that will be unsurmountable. But that's understandable, man, Mike, as we both know, given the talent on the opposing end of the floor. You know, but Golden State coach Steve Kerr, you know, I read, you know, and I heard that he reminded, you know, the symbol media that some of the, you know, them to play it, you know, the dramatic seven, game seven Western Conference finals over a team that took a 1-0 lead. So it's easy, it's easy to overact, you know, to, to, you know, the first couple of games or the first two games in a series. But from the Cavs' perspective, Mad Mike, you know, the game is, you know, is an opportunity to change the feel of the finals. You know, so LeBron James, again, like I was saying, this dude makes everybody around him better. You can walk with a pep in your step when you know that the best player in the world is alongside you. You know, as we both know, Matt Mike, James has seen too much and so much to let, you know, these games affect his him and his performance and how he goes about doing his job. And there's no indication that the Warriors have any answers for this man. None whatsoever. So their best approach is to let somebody else beat them. You know, it's like an ultimate security blanket. You know, as Larry Nance Jr. was reported saying, you know, you know, night in and night out that he's going to bring it and he's going to give you everything that he has. 
You know, let's say that Hill and Smith are yet to forgive themselves for the mistakes that they made. But, you know, LeBron James, he uh, behind the scenes, I'm pretty sure he made have sense. I will hope he said something to those guys about what was going on. But he didn't badmouth his teammates in the media, man, Mike. He didn't badmouth. No, he... Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say he, he definitely protected them both. I mean, uh, you, you, you had him refusing to answer questions. Meanwhile, you had Ty Lue say, yeah, he just didn't know the score. You know what I mean? Like you had a coach throw a player under the bus. But LeBron James didn't do that, neither one of them. He, you know, we need George Hill. George Hill's a veteran. He's our starting point guard. We need his confidence. Um, I'm not going to bash him for missing the free throw. You know, in the end of the day, he did his job by getting to the free throw line to even give us a shot to win. Right. I mean, he's not – he's smart. I mean, let, let's be honest. He he didn't he, – he's not his coach. He is the coach of the team. But he's not – you know you know what I mean? Like, he didn't – his coach went out there and showed his frustration. Um, and that's what we used to criticize Joe Girardi for. Um, LeBron James was upset. He was tired. He gave it everything he had. You could see he was demoralized. And not one time did you hear him throw anybody under the bus. So I give you that for sure. Right. And that's the biggest reason why, you know, the Cavs should, you know, be able to remain calm. I think, again, I keep on calling this dude Thanos. They have a superhero on their side. Now, let's also throw in the fact that Andre Iguodala, the 2015 NBA Finals, you know, he's he's still dealing with a knee contusion and a bone bruise. You know, Clay Thompson suffered a high ankle, you know, high left ankle sprain. In, in, Tell in me that wasn't one. dirty. Tell well, me that wasn't dirty. Well, you know what? I did see J.R. Smith slip. Now, whether he, you know, it was intentional or accidental, I don't know. But I did see him slip a little bit. But Listen, you know we, 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 but you got to remember something. We're, we're talking about this is not the first time he did it in the finals with this team. He's the one that that uh, took out Andrew Bogusny. And, and I know we all focus on the fact that Draymond Green got suspended that finals. But don't forget the fact that once they lost Andrew Bogut, Tristan Thompson had a field day with them. And it was on the same kind of play. He lost his footing and he rolled into the guy's knee. In this case, he rolled into, you know, into the back of his leg. And, and that, that could have been devastating, man. I mean, I, I I think it was dirty. I think it was accidentally on purpose. Now, man, Mike, let's also talk about that incident during the game where Tristan Thompson shoved the ball in Draymond Green's face, and it was pushing and shoving, and Kevin Love came off the bench. Okay, I'll now. never forgive. I'll never forgive the NBA. Before you go, I know what you're gonna say. Before you go on, um, the NBA is never gonna 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 get it right in my eyes because we're leaving the bench after they stole. A finals appearance from from Phoenix Suns when Robert Horry acted as a goon. But go ahead, keep going. Yeah, you know, so Kevin Love stepped. He stepped on the court, and like you were saying, the NBA has a rule. They have something in place that if you step onto the court, you automatically get a game suspension for doing so. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, the rule. It's, it's, that's the rule. You know, so what's going to happen with that? He's not getting suspended. They're, they yeah. they announced See, that he, exactly. he wasn't See, getting suspended. See, how crazy is that? You see what I'm so, saying? So you're going against the rules that you've implemented into your league. Why? Because it's the NBA Finals? So this kind of opens up Pandora's box, Mad Mike. Because you don't think other teams are going to say the same thing? Oh, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I, I, like I said, it always takes me back to the San Antonio 
uh, series where Bruce Bowen tried to step on Amari's Achilles and blow it out um, and got caught on tape doing it. Robert Horry went in there. I don't know if you remember. Remember uh, Steve Nash dribbling up half court and Robert Horry went and checked him all the way into the scorer's table yeah, and he went head WWE yeah. shoulder blocked him. Yeah, you know what I mean? I remember this. And, and, and you remember who was on the bench at the time? Amari Stoudemire and Sean Marion were on the bench. And what did they do? They left their, the, the bench, got on the court. They didn't do anything, but they left the bench. And they both got suspended, and it changed the entire tenor of the series. Uh, Phoenix never recovered. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's unforgivable. And if it's in your rule book, then you have to follow the rules. And if you want to tell me that the Cavs, the, the, the Cavs are complaining about a reverse blocking call, let's talk about the fact that right then and there, Tristan Thompson not suspended, Kevin Love not suspended. Uh, Chris Tristan, Tristan Thompson not suspended after not only a flagrant two, throwing an elbow um, and, or, or leading with the elbow because he didn't throw it. He led with the elbow. Why? Because he shouldn't be shooting the ball with two seconds left in the game up 10. Whatever, whatever, dude. Yeah, and the end of the day, you're down 10, and, and, and here's exactly why I said if I'm him, I would shoot the ball. Because you shoot the ball with two seconds left, you miss it, the ball goes up in the air, by the time you rebound it, game's over. Smart play, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I and, mean, And what makes the ratings? Nobody wants to see, uh, I mean, nobody is, is really enamored with this Cleveland Cavalier team now, but if you remove Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson, that, that's bad for the NBA. Yeah, what shot do they have? But that's what I'm saying. Let's let's. Well, all I'm saying is let's not act like this wasn't a, a favorable move to them. It was a favorable move to them. But if you're, if you're Golden State, Matt, Mike, aren't you steaming behind this decision because you know what the rules are? And yeah, if you complain you know about I'm it, steaming? does that make you a sore loser or somebody no, that's afraid gonna... of competition? No, Which right I, is right I'm and what's wrong is wrong. I'm, I'm steaming because. What's the difference between between that that leading with your elbow, which he, he could have hurt Sean Livingston, and, and, and for the record, let's not act like Sean Livingston is not major right now for this Golden State team where Andre Iguodala is still out with a knee injury. This is your first guard off the bench now that Iguodala is hurt. I mean, you know what I mean? So, so it, it, to me, it's like, what's the difference between that and Draymond, you know, doing his move? Uh, two years ago when the Cavs won and he got suspended. It's no different. Listen, dirty's dirty. You can't pick and choose uh, when, when we're willing to deal with dirty. You know, when we're, we, uh, a, a spade's a spade, right? A spade's always a spade. That's what I mean. And, and it's funny you bring up Sean Livingston because, I mean, let's face it, you know, the Warriors are not a deep team, especially on the wing, in my opinion. You know, not right now they're not, no. Right. You know, so you have, again, we talk about how key Sean Livingston is, you know, but maybe we can see more minutes from Nick Young and Patrick McCraw. But, you know, come on, listeners. Do I really need well, to nah, explain? Well, no, McCraw's activated. He's not playing, though. Okay. They already said they're, they're not going to risk playing him um, at all right now. They're, they're just going to keep it where it is. And I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, but once again... We both could agree that no duo that they can throw out is better than a Thompson Iguodala duo. Correct. You know, there's you can't there's no comparison between anybody you could bring off of the bench. And I'm really surprised at you know that Nick Young is not really getting that many minutes. There has to be something going on, you know, where he's not getting that many minutes because he is a wing guy. And, you know, they've been playing the up-and-down style of play, you know, which has kept JaVel McGee on the bench and, you know, West on the bench. You know, Looney's been getting a lot of playing time. Jaza Pachulia hasn't took taken off his warm-up suit. I'm happy. I, that Man, that guy looks like Shrek. 
<laughs> I, I can't even stand to look at him, dude. So, you know, but this, look, for those who, you know, for those of us who thought Cleveland would have trouble just keeping close, you know, with the Golden State Warriors, that's not, that's not the case. Look, the Warriors, they barely turned the ball over. You know, the Cavs missed a, a, a ton of wide-open three-pointers. You know, and they're still playing them tough. So, I, you know, listen, I expect this series. I got, I said this series would, would go four games or two, you know, in favor of the Golden State Warriors. But, again, I can see it going seven games. I can see it going seven games. I know, I know, man, Mike. But the only reason why I'm saying I can see it going seven games is because of LeBron James, a.k.a. Thanos. I'm sorry. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I hate just, to pony I, up and ride, but I'm pony. Uh, damn it, I'm ponying up and riding right now. I don't I, just, care. I don't. I don't think he can play at a higher level than he did um, in Game One against this team. And I, honest to God, don't believe that you're going to see uh, uh, Kevin Durant play a worse game than he did Game One. Um, I think that 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 uh, just from that standpoint, I'm like, I, I don't. I don't think it is. Not only that, but. Maybe Golden State was feeling themselves too much going in, you know, reading the press clippings and everybody else saying this is uh, going to be a cakewalk. And they they got a, a wake-up call. Like, hey, wait a minute. This roster on the, on the Cavs is not as bad as you think it is. And even if it is as bad as you think it is, they're not coming down to, you know, they're not coming to lay down for you. So um, I think you're going to see a better effort throughout the series for them. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll close it out in five. Uh, part of me thinks that they definitely want to close out LeBron James in Cleveland. You know, uh, leave that lasting memory in case he does leave in free agency. Leave the lasting memory uh, of him losing in the finals um, in Cleveland. Look, before we'll, we'll we move on to talk a little bit of baseball, you know, Mets and Yankees, let's talk about your boy. Yes, your boy, Ron Baker, <laughs> getting a $4.5 million deal now. Listeners, let me just throw this. Let me just paint this picture for you. I'm at work, and a Mad Mike hits me up and was like, "Nick signed Ron Baker to a one year, four point five million dollar deal," and I literally almost punched a hole in my computer monitor. And I said, "What are these dudes doing? What are they doing?" And then something hit me. Was like, "All right, Mad Mike, please tell me that this is a player option and not that the team literally signed them to a one year deal." And Mad Mike was like, yes, Lloyd, it's a player option. And although, although that made me feel better, I still feel like crap. Ron Baker? Ron Baker? What? $4.5 million, Mad Mike? What? Man, what did I tell you? I said, if this was a team option, as much as I would have hated it, I'd have felt a lot better. I don't know what 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 benefit a team like the Knicks gets from giving a player option to a guy like Ron Baker. Because in the end of the day, if he has an amazing year, he's going to opt out of his contract. And now you got to pay him even more money. Or he has a terrible year, like he did. And we discussed this. Average two points, less than one rebound. And one assist. Four point five million dollars for yeah. Baker. But 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 see my point. My point is, I feel even worse that they gave him a player option because if he went out and had a bad year, what incentive does he have not to pick it up? 
He's not going to be like, well, I sucked. I'm going to give you back your four and a half million. Yeah. He's like, well, I sucked, and I'm going to get $9 million. Not only that, he's not playing, bro. He's not going to play. Yeah, listen, is look. Look, if you, if you, you know, for those who not aware, who not, uh, you know, who are not aware of the Knicks situation, right now the Knicks have five guards. You have Emmanuel Moutier, Trey Burke, Frank Nittalikina, Courtney Lee, and Tim Hardaway Jr. And I want you to tell me, when the hell is Ron Baker fit if you're going to go from one to six? If you don't have this dude at six on all of your boards, you don't know damn basketball. <laughs> so now you're telling me you're going to pay somebody $4.5 million, Matt Mike, to sit on a bench. Oh, and let me clear up one other thing. One other thing, because, man, I, 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 I was looking at Twitter this weekend. I was looking at Twitter. Folks, Phil Jackson ain't giving this contract. So get over yourselves. Stop blaming Phil for everything that went wrong. Phil ain't give this contract. Maybe Phil signed him to the D-League. Maybe Phil gave him his first 10-day contract. But Phil had nothing to do with this two-year contract. Phil had nothing to do with Ron Baker being a part of last year's rotation. That had nothing to do with him, my friends. So, so, so everybody... Look at Steve Mills. Who I've been who I've been calling for his job since Phil Jackson got fired. He should have went out the door right behind Phil. They should have put them they should have put them both in the same damn suit jacket and kicked them out. One yeah, right behind and, and, the other. And, and 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 even though I was one of the guys on board, like I said, with the Tim Hardaway signing at the time, think about this for a second. You just named six guards, right? Um we could arguably say of those six guards. Um, based on, on skill set and what guys do and health and, and, and reliability, you could actually maybe put with age and, 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 and everything else, you could probably put Tim Hardaway five, uh, a reasonable argument can be made for why he shouldn't, you know, be over Burke, uh, Frank, uh, Moutier or Courtney Lee, just based off assists, rebounds, um, the fact that. They, those guys find other ways to be effective without having to, to shoot at a high volume and score the ball. So, you know, and, and once again, I was one who was in favor of the signing. What I'm saying is, think about that, man. He gave $21.5 million combined to, to uh, Tim Hardaway and, and your boy Ron, and those might be five and six in the pecking order. Listen, if he was my boy and we was on a damn rowboat, I would act like I'm bending over to pick something up and kick his behind out the boat and roll away. Nah, you know what, man? I think they'll try to trade him. I, I, I do. Who wants I, I think, him? Uh, Who wants him, Mad Mike? You, no, you, well, you, you paying $4.5 million for somebody to dive on a damn court? I'll do it for $2 million. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is maybe there's a $4.5 million player somewhere else. And, and, and folks, <laughs> fans, I do want to tell you this. Four and a half million dollars is what Kyle O'Quinn made. You know who signed him? Phil Jackson. You know what Ron Baker makes? Four and a half million dollars. You know who signed him? Steve Mills. Who would you rather have right now? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's a great point. That's Just really saying. a great point. And look, the Knicks, is, I think, is detrimental. And we all know the Knicks need a three. <laughs> They need a small forward moving forward. You can't yeah, well, have your two guards. You can't you can't do that to Courtney Lee and you can't do that to Tim Hardaway Jr. having them play the three. You can't Well, you know, I think Courtney asked, um I, I I'm not gonna say he asked to be traded, 
But um, there was a, a, a Twitter post recently that he liked. Uh, uh, someone suggesting that he get traded, and he liked. He liked the, the tweet, so maybe he's uh, looking to, to to head out. Remember, he took less money to come to New York. Um, on the record of saying he took less money to come to New York, so he's only making twelve million. Uh, I think twelve and a half. I think he's due. Um, I saw twenty five point one million dollars total over the next two years. Um, he's a tradable contract, man. And maybe maybe you take his contract and you and you package up, uh, you know, Ron Baker. And maybe you bring back a, a, a player, you know, making something like $16 million for on a, on a year or two contract. Look, I, tell you, I wouldn't be upset with Courtney Lee going, and I definitely wouldn't be upset with Vaughn Baker going. But I, I do, you know, before we move on to the Mets and Yankees, I do feel that Joakim Noah, at some point, the Knicks have to get that young man. Well, now he's not young anymore, but they need to get that man on the court, man. You can't, um, you, yeah, can't it's, pay, it's, you can't pay somebody that much money and not and not utilize them in some way, shape, size, or form. So hopefully, yeah. Well, uh, Scott Perry said that out. though, right? Didn't he? Uh huh. Then Scott Perry allude to to basically, um, he'll sit down with Fizz. They'll go over things. They'll see um, if there's a role or not for him. Um, I, like I said, I don't think they want to use the stretch provision and waive him just yet. Because his team isn't looking to, Scott Perry said, where they are not looking to spend money this offseason. So waving him doesn't do them any good. It's, I get it, but man, like, he, even if they have to sit down and find a role for him, you need you need to make a role for him. You know what I'm saying? No, I know. That's he, what I mean. He's literally, what is he, like the highest paid Nick on the roster right now? Yes. No. Maybe. He's up there. If he's not number Same one, he's one be. to three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's either behind Hardaway Jr. and his canter, but he's up there. And you need to yeah, play him. You, know, I, you need to play him so you can no, so other no, teams no, I, can see what I, he has. Listen, I I'm with you, man. If Ennis Cantor, uh, uh, if he opts out, I might just give his role to Noah until the wheels fall off, and maybe try to keep his and, and, and you know bank this guy's money. Or, or, you know, I don't know, man. I'm like I'm so torn with what this team is going to do, what they can do. Do I draft Wendell Carter? You know, do I? What do I do? Well, Anybody you know, I but got Trey thumbs Young. up for Porter Junior. That's what. I yeah, I just don't think Porter he's going to be there. Porter Junior or the or the or, or the um Bridges from Villanova. One of those two guys, I'll be happy with. And I think one of those two guys are going to be sitting there with the Knicks pick. So you know. <laughs> Let's leave that alone. I'm sure at some point we're going to come back to that. We're going to revisit it. But the bottom line is that me and Matt Michael beside ourselves and not surprised that Von Baker picked up his $4.5 million player option because he's never going to make that much money ever again in his NBA pro career unless somehow he turns around and goes someplace else and turns into a mini Steph Curry, which we all know that ain't happening. So, San Antonio. Yes. So let's go move. On. Oh, and hopefully Kawhi, the Knicks would do something. They could get Kawhi Leonard in here. That would be great. But I, I'm sorry, I had to sneak that in. Big of a Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I had to sneak that in there before we left. But let's move on to baseball. We're going to discuss the Mets first. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because we're running, we're running thin on our time. But the New York Mets are just playing dreadful baseball. Their bullpen can't close a box of juice. Well, you got to do is screw the top on. The bullpen is awful. They're getting decent starting pitching. You know, I've seen games, man, where the bullpen continues to blow game after game after game. And at some point, we got to get our guru, Joe Rivera, on the show, man, Mike, so he can break that down for us and shed some light on the situation, not only to us, but to our listeners. 
They got yeah, Jose man. Batista, who was a cast off and almost out of baseball. This dude is playing third damn base. The only bright spot that I've seen on the Mets thus far, or you know, at this particular point, a juncture in the season, is Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, and Nimmo. Jay yeah, Boos, Hakaka. Hakaka. Cespedes, he needs to stay out of the gym. He lives too much. <laughs> and this is coming from somebody that lifts a lot as well. When you do that, your chances of your body, because you're so muscular, you can injure yourself. You're not as limb as you normally. I can't even scratch my damn back. Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of my back is itching. I have to rub my back on the corner of a wall or something like that or use a pin or a fork or a knife. I can't scratch my back. Well, Frazier's coming back. Oh, I, oh wow. So what? He's hot caca. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got anything to say about the mess before we move on to the Yankees? Um, I I, I don't. I, I'm I I struggle to find direction with with them. I struggle to to find the positives. Um, and that's why I wanted you know, to get Joe on the show because maybe he can say something to us to make no, us see. No, he can't. You- he can't trust me. <laughs> I've I've. I've bounced off of him. He he's just as lost with it. Um, I'll say this, and he kind of was just. I, I'm going to say this about the Mets, right? So I watched Gleyber Torres, and I watched Amer Rosario, and Amer Rosario, and I think I might have said this on the show before. Amer Rosario is was ranked higher in the minor leagues uh, by Baseball America, ESPN, etc. Right? Baseball Perspective. Everyone said he was the better prospect. Uh, he had more power, more athleticism, just the better all-around ball player, right? More, uh, the better all-around athlete. And you watch Gleyber Torres, and you watch Amer Rosario, and I, I, and I don't see in what world Amer Rosario is better than Gleyber Torres at, at anything. In the field, I don't see it. Uh, with the arm, I don't see it. With the bat, I don't see it. From the power or, or just understanding situational hitting, um, I don't see any of it. But here's what I'll tell and you. And also throwing exactly the maturity when, when, as well, man, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and when I text uh, uh, Joe um, and said, hey, can you tell me what, what it is that the rest of baseball, you know, the media, what the rest of everybody saw that I don't see, you know, just being a fan. Um, and he said, if he wasn't a Met, would you be saying this? And I was like, yeah, I would. Because I want to know what everybody sees. You know, we think of Vlad Guerrero Jr. You saw Ronald Acuna Jr. for, 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 for the Braves. You see the talent. You see everything that the, that the scouts saw and all the reports saw. You saw it with him. I don't see it with Zara. And he said, you, you can't fault the kid. you got to understand what system he's coming out of, what team and organization he plays for. They don't fully develop guys. They never have. You name one guy outside of, I mean, maybe Jacob DeGrom, who came from nowhere, by the way. But if you look at all, the, all their hyped up, uh, prospects under Sandy Alderson. What guy has developed into something special? Dominic Smith ate his way out of the major leagues and is now a corner outfielder in Vegas. He's not even the first baseman of the future anymore on a team where Adrian Gonzalez is 36 years old and batting 240. So that's all I'm going to say to it. And that's all there is to it. All right. So let's move on to the Yankees who still continue to play 
really good baseball, man. Yeah, Mike. when they play, when it's not raining. And the key to those guys is that they're winning series. They're taking two yeah. out of three. They're taking three out of four. And let's face it, the beginning of their schedule thus far hasn't been a cupcake schedule, man, Mike. They faced the Houston Astros twice. You know, they play some tough teams. Meanwhile, the Boston Red Sox, has had, they've had a cupcake schedule. I, you know, they played the series against the, the Astros, you know, over the weekend. And, you know, Houston actually took some games allowing the Yankees. The Yankees in first. Yes. So they yes. allowed the Yankees to leapfrog over them. And they're going to have to play Houston some more as well. Yes, they got another series. That's the one thing. The, the Yankees, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off before you go on. The Yankees have the number one RPI in baseball. Um, they have the, the number one uh, strength, uh, uh, toughest uh, schedule uh, up to date. Um, and, and just so listeners know, look at Detroit. I mean, they have a doubleheader against Detroit today. When they, when, when they were rained out in Detroit, Detroit was, was hemorrhaging. Detroit has righted the ship. They got eight wins in their last ten. The Yankees are actually going to face them today in a doubleheader um, at the wrong time. You know, as far as baseball speed go, you don't want to face the hot team. And that's exactly who the Yankees are continues to, 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 you know, I guess uh, their schedule just keeps breaking the wrong way for them. Now, let's face it, man, Mike. You know, we've, we've had this discussion before, and I say all the time, the one deficiency I see in the Yankees' armor is their pitching, is their, their starting pitchers. And I know we can say Tanaka this and, you know, CC Sabathia that and, you know, Sonny Gray yada, you know. But I still think that the, the, the Yankees, in order for them to compete, one thing I did see in that series with Houston, you know, watching Verlander and all those guys pitch. If the Yankees have to go toe-to-toe with Verlander and those guys, the starters now, you know, they, the Yankees have beaten up on the Astros' bullpen. But you got you to gotta have a nice one-two punch. And um, in my opinion, and just, just my opinion, I don't think the Yankees have a nice one-two punch. I think they have a great one punch in Severino, but that two punch, in my opinion, is missing. So they need to see upgrades, Matt, Mike. I think, you know, it's been on record that Brian Cashman, you know, is looking to seek upgrades to their roster. And apparently, he's been peppered with trade requests for third base Miguel Andujar and outfielder Clint Frazier. And it was on, you know, there was a report on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio that he said that. Now, you know, Frazier batted 231. He had four homers and 17 RBIs, you know, in his first 39 big league games last season, you know. And he was pushed further down in the chart, you know, but he's been... You know, he's been killing in the minor leagues. He's expected up, you know, for the doubleheader today against the Detroit Tigers. So he's going to get his playing time. And he was almost a part of the deal for Garrett Cole from Pittsburgh, who he's having a really, who Garrett Cole is having a really good season thus far with the Houston Astros, Mad Mike. Yeah, you can't, you can't trade Clint Frazier. Um, I know everybody wants to say it. Um, and I, I think Cashman understands it. We still don't know what, uh, Aaron Hicks is, and Aaron Hicks has been so bad that before Saturday's game, Aaron Boone actually had to address the media, who's actually the media is and and uh, has has just been saying, hey, you know, uh, Aaron Hicks is hitting 206, 206 with an OPS under seven hundred since um, 
you know, Frazier was sent down after the National Series. Think about that for a second. He's only hitting 206. He, he's, yeah, I think he's hitting 250 now after after a big uh, Friday, uh, a big Saturday in, in Baltimore. But we don't know what he is. He, he, he's been hurt numerous times. Um, he's gone through some really bad stretches. I just finished telling you this in the last show. How many guys just miss more than 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 he just misses um as far as as uh Hicks's offense goes uh, he never gets on a roll and not only that you know Brett Gardner was having a, a, a really good may or had a really good may hit a really bad april um june is normally his, his hottest month but then he tails off you, you you can't trade him because you don't know where where the outfield is going. And yes, you got Stanton. Yes, you still got Judge. Ellsbury, who, who seems to be broken, and I don't think we'll play a game this year. Um, I, I wouldn't trade him. I wouldn't trade Frazier. I would do everything I can to try to start moving other pieces um, and hold on to Frazier. Yeah, there's even been reports that the Yankees have kicked the ties with Manny Machado. And, you know, apparently they're going to have to give up a lot or Baltimore might, might request a lot to get him. But let's just say if the Yankees do entertain a deal obviously you know Miguel Andujar would be the centerpiece of that deal you well know, I'll so tell you this and, and, and I'll tell you this if you're trading for Manny Machado I think you can trade both Drury uh, you could put Drury and you could put Andujar in that same package and, and we can say you know Drury can play multiple multiple positions um I also saw during the week that uh Tyler Wade is actually is actually a hot commodity because there's a lot of scouts that are willing to let him you know uh not scouts uh, there's a lot of organizations that are willing to let him develop at the offensive uh, uh you know offensively at the major league level where the Yankees just don't uh not that they don't have the patience for him they just don't have the need to allow it to happen because in the end of the day they had Gleyber Torres waiting in the wings. They had Didi Gregorius. And, and like you just said, they, they have Miguel Andujar. Um, and if not Andujar, I'm sure that, that they'd go out and either, you know, get a Josh Donaldson or, or you know, who's killing his own value with all these injuries. Who is that, or, man? Yeah, it's nuts. Him and Clayton Kershaw. It's, yeah, both of them nuts. Absolutely nuts. But, but, but basically, you know what I'm saying? So it's like those are guys – so it basically – when, when the Yankees make these moves, they're not going to be necessarily for the guys that we're thinking. You know, everybody wants to throw out the hot names, the Miguel Landuhars, the just Justice Sheffields. I don't necessarily think it's going to be that. And they're so deep in the farm, and they're so good in the farm that I think, well, if they went and said, "Here's here's Tyler Wade uh, and Andujar and Chance Adams and one of their their top flight uh, relievers in the minors," you think Baltimore would turn that down? They're going to lose Zach Britton. So why wouldn't you look at, let's say, uh, not a Domingo Herman, uh, a Domingo Acevedo, uh, who can be a lights-out starter, um, and if, at very worst, he can be a lights-out closer. Um, you get Tyler Wade, the utility guy. You get Chance Adams, a starter. And you get Miguel Andujar, who can come in here and play third base. And by the way, if, if you get Tyler Wade, who's naturally a shortstop, if you lose Miguel, uh, 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 Manny Machado, Andujar and Tyler Wade can be your new left side of the infield. You then get a starter and a closer. That's that's all I'm saying is they're so deep with their prospect pool that they can make a better trade, and it might not be for guys that you're even thinking of, or 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 you know what I mean? Like, listen, I I tell you this much. I will say this much about the Yankees is that Brian Cashman is a smart GM, and I expect him. I have faith in him, unlike some of the other GMs for some of the other organizations in the great city of New York. I have faith that he will not make any stupid deals. 
and he'll think this thing out very carefully and make the best decision to make this team better. But I will say, and again, I want to see what Joe thinks about this because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to say no. I just have a feeling that either Bryce Harper is going to be patrolling the outfield or Manny Machado is going to be patrolling the infield for the New York Yankees next season. And let's not, let's not forget this, man, Mike. The luxury tax resets for the Yankees come the end of this season. Don't be surprised if you see both of them in a Yankees uniform. Now, I doubt that that'll happen, but stranger things have happened with this organization. We wasn't expecting them to see get Carlos Beltran and all those guys that year, remember? We thought it was no chance in hell that they was going to sign Carlos, Bel Carlos Beltran. And Brett Gardner is at the end of his year. You know, he's a, he'll be a free agent, and Aaron Hicks will be a free agent. And you already gave glowing reports on Aaron Hicks, and that was said sarcastically, listeners. <laughs> so if you keep no, Clint Frazier... No, I think Frazier, one more year of Hicks after this. I it, think he's got one more year of arbitration after this okay, season. Okay, I thought he was done, but even if, Let's just say he is done, and you hold on to Frazier. You can then plug Frazier in the center field, and this is just me dreaming right now. Me yeah, just throwing remember, out a scenario. I, I, I honestly think that I think that they're grooming Stanton um, to take over this left field. Yeah, we already uh, had that. I'm not a fan of that, but you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. I mean, you got but, twenty million dollars. They don't want him on the bench. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, well, I mean, you know, obviously, I would, you know, maybe platoon him a little bit more between the two. But I mean, if you get Bryce Harper that wants to come here, and I'm not saying he'll take less money to come here. But, you know, I wouldn't be mad at an outfield, a starting outfield of Harper, Clint Frazier, and Stanton going left to right on your AM dial, AM FM dial. No, I mean, I wouldn't either. I, I, I'm, for over a year, I've been saying I think the guy is Manny Machado because he, he's been doing it in the AL East. Um, not that I don't think uh, Bryce Harper can adapt, but I, I do think that you, you see the struggles that, that Stanton is having. Um, you know, adapting to the AL. I don't necessarily know if you're going to pay Bryce Harper $35 million a year. Uh, you want to deal with those struggles. Um, but I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I'd say that, that uh, Brian Cashman will probably uh, not – he's not going to get both of them. Um, he'll probably focus. I, I think uh, – I don't know, man. I, I think if it's anybody, it's Machado. I've, I've – I've, been on record of saying that Ooh, I, think, I wouldn't uh, be mad with either one I'd be happy with both but I again I wouldn't be surprised if I see both of them in the New York Yankees uniform next year and if the Yankees you know if they go after Machado man Mike you know like you said kick the tires that was a great trade package that you threw out there great no, trade I'm, package I'm just saying it's, it's you know, you know it's, it's if you familiarize yourself with what they really do have down there and Baltimore um, they need to get rid of him because he's he's leaving He's not staying in, and Baltimore's having a putrid season. So he's definitely going to leave. Yep. He's definitely going to leave. So Baltimore, if they're smart, they'll get what they can get for him. And if you're trading for him, you need to be smart on if he even wants to stay wherever, whichever team decides, you know, that, that wins the, the Manny Machado Derby. You want to make sure that he wants to stay there because he can leave. Yep. Come see Hey, man, uh, we got any questions? Well, you know what? We will take two questions. You know, and after the two questions, listeners, we're so sorry. We're going to take some more questions in next week's show. So the first question comes from Richie Vince, Matt Mike. And Richie Vince wants to know, should J.R. Smith be benched after his, you know, his performance in game one and his performance through the playoffs in general? So I'll let you go. I'll let you shoot at that one first. No, because... 
who are you going to play? Rodney Hood, who, by the way, also decided that uh, he wasn't going to go into a blowout loss um, after he lost his spot in the rotation. I mean, the fact of the matter is this is they need him. They need him to be good. They need him to get over it um, because that's just the way their roster breaks down right now. And I'm going to say, no, you can't bench him because J.R. Smith is a streaky shooter. And obviously he made a terrible decision and a terrible mistake and it cost him a game. But he is one of your better players on a team. I was going through this, man, Mike, and I was saying, okay, if you was to rank the players on a on the Cleveland Cavs roster right now, from one to five, I think J.R. Smith might fall three in my you know in my book. You know, possibly you can argue three, four. So it would be LeBron James, Kevin Love, and I will argue J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, three, four, or whatever the case may be. So he's still. You know, one of the better players on that roster, sad enough, and I can't forget Kyle Corver. You know, but Kyle Corver is an enigma. You know, you, you don't know what you're getting from him, and you don't know what you're getting from J.R. Smith. But, you know, I will say that, you know, you, you got to, this is the finals. You got to keep them in there. And, you know, they have, they, the Cavs have a better chance of winning basketball games with him on the court and starting and playing than not. So there you have it. Thanks for the question, Richie Vince. The next question comes from Paulie D. Mack. And Paulie D. Mack wants to know, who do we have winning in this NBA Finals? Well, I guess that's pretty obvious, right? I'm yeah. going to say I, I'm, I'm going to say I have Golden State beating the Cavs four games or two. But again, like I stated earlier in the show, I can easily see this going seven games. It's highly likely. But the only reason why I'm saying that is because of LeBron James, a.k.a. Thanos, and I'm done with that. You can get ahead, man, Mike. And I, I think that you might have woke up Golden State. Uh, I think uh, it's going to be an easy series for for them here on out. Um, game one to me reminded me of Game three of last uh, last finals when KD hit the three pointer to break the Cavs back, and um, it changed the series. I think that this was their Game three. Um, but here, I, I ask you a question. You could think on it. Get back to me and, and listeners. Maybe uh, for you uh, that that are our age, think about this. Um, when you have this greatest of all time conversation, ask yourself, has LeBron James ever beat a team as good as the 90s Knicks? With Oakley, Ewing, um, John Starks, Derek Harper, ask yourself that. Oh, of this greatness, right, that he's shown. What was it, nine finals? But Right, nine finals he's been to? Yeah, I mean, uh, eight, obviously, you know, definitely finals. The, the road to the NBA finals were a lot tougher back then. No, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. so uh, you, you know, Stephen A. Smith asked this question on the air, and it had me thinking. And he wasn't even talking about he wasn't even talking about these Knicks. I'm talking about these Knicks, but he's over here saying he had to beat the Bad Boy Pistons, he had to beat uh, Bird Celtics, he had to beat Drexler's Blazers. Um, and for for you know, he I, I'm looking at it. and I'm saying, you know, I never thought about that. I don't think that LeBron has ever beat a team as good as the Knicks' team, the, the the Knicks team from the '90s. Let alone some of these other teams that he had to go through. How could how could we call him the greatest of all time yeah. when we've never seen him had to have to beat a truly truly great team? We'll see, but I, I mean, I'm 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 close to I'm I'm close to that's another debate and another show. 
in the I don't future, think about it. But I'm 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 close to I'm close to deeming LeBron James better than Jordan. I got into a disagreement. You know, I was visiting my family in Baltimore over the Memorial Day weekend, which I listen I hope the listeners had a great Memorial Day weekend and also God bless and you know, we really want to appreciate all the soldiers that have fought past and present and given their lives to this country. But you know, I, that was a great debate, you know, is LeBron better than Kobe and is LeBron better than Le, um than Jordan and I I deemed him better than Kobe and again we'll touch up on this at some point and I'm and 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 in my mind right now I think he's better than Jordan. So, we'll tackle it up but let's take one more question before we close the show. And the last question we're going to take is from JC and JC wants to ask us Who's more prevalent to the Golden State Warriors, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry? You go first, man, Mike, real quick. Uh, I'm going to say Steph Curry, man. I, I think Steph Curry's uh, mid-range, uh, not mid-range game, I think his uh, three-point game and his, his dribble drive penetration um, is, 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 uh, is the game setter for them. I think when he's struggling, uh, like he did in the Houston series, I think this team struggles. I think KG, uh, KG, Oof. I think KD uh, eats off of that, and you know he makes his game a lot easier, a lot more efficient. So I'm I'm gonna go Steph Curry as well, and simply because if you take Kevin Durant off the Golden State Warriors, I do think Golden State will still be close to the team that they are right now. Whereas if you've seen, if you, I mean, even though they was winning games without Steph Curry, if you take Steph Curry off the Golden State Warriors, I think the Golden State Warriors become a little bit of a more problematic team. Steph Curry is a heck of a ball player. He's very streaky, as you've seen in the Golden State series where he reigned off three after three after three. You know what I'm saying? And I, he's a difference maker. Not that none of these other guys are difference makers on the court. But, you know, I just think that Steph Curry is more important to the Golden State Warriors' success now and moving forward than Kevin Durant will be. So, there you have it. And, folks, with that being said, that's going to bring us to a close of this week's show. I hope you guys, again, had a great Memorial Day weekend. Me and the Mad Mike want to thank you for joining us today because without you guys, there's no us. And we want to thank our producer, A.O. Omar Baker, for sticking with us. A.O. Omar Baker got some tracks you know, that he's putting out, and he's a he's an up-and-coming artist. He's a hot artist. You know, I would definitely say that you guys should look him up and check him out and support him. So, with that being said, guys, we'll see you in seven days. Have a safe and blessed week. So, yo, Let's get up out of here, baby! And that's a wrap for today's show. Shouts to everybody for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe. Brand new episodes drop every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And as always, check out LloydAThompson.com. Peace.